Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. This morning, on the tenth Sunday after the Feast of Trinity, our passage comes from the point in the narrative of the Gospels where Jesus is on approach to Jerusalem for his last time. Serendipitously, in the church calendar, uh, this Sunday is actually falling after the um, Feast of the Transfiguration, which um, in the narrative and according to scholars probably came just before this final journey to Jerusalem when Jesus showed his revealed his divine glory to three of his disciples and when the church fathers almost unanimously say that this was for their um, strengthening before the final passion of their Lord so that they would remember his glory and not be so dismayed at his suffering something to hold on to in their memories and to remind them after his resurrection of what that glory always must have been and so as Jesus with his disciples is now journeying to Jerusalem for the last time, he approaches and is near to the city and sees the city off in the distance and pauses and begins weeping, crying over the city. This is a city that Jesus has been to probably every single year of his life, first brought there by his parents for the great feasts uh, at least once, probably twice or three times a year. Uh, this would have been quite uh, a journey from Galilee and Nazareth, where he grew up. So uh, this was a familiar journey to him. And having come here so frequently, knowing the city well, what is it about this time, this time when he's coming to Jerusalem that he weeps? I think it has to do with the finality of his mission and purpose. I think it's because this was the last time he was going to be approaching the city from this vantage point and seeing it. And um, God, in his essence, is what we call impassable. That means he is not susceptible to suffering. Things from outside cannot affect God in a way that um, injures or makes him suffer. But when Jesus, the Son of God, the Logos, the divine word, put on human flesh, he not only put on our actual flesh, he put on everything that goes with it. He put on a human mind. He put on a human soul. He united himself fully to our humanity. And one of the things that our humanity includes is emotion, the possibility of suffering, passability, so that we can, um, we, we are passable. We, passions affect us. Things coming from outside will make us uh, feel hurt. And so Jesus, seeing the vantage of this city in which he celebrated um, the major feasts every year of his life, is already beginning his passion. He weeps. He also wept not long before uh, in raising Lazarus and seeing how death affected all of those that he loved. Everyone weeping at the tomb of Lazarus made Jesus weep as well. And now he's continuing to weep when he sees Jerusalem. Why? largely for the same reason he wept at the tomb of Lazarus. <clears throat> because the reign of death, the reign of sin and of evil, 
was still going on at this point because Jesus had not yet entered into death and overcome it. And so he sees the fruits of death, the fruits of the bad tree, um, evil fruits. He sees what this world of suffering and pain has meant for uh, humanity for so long. And when he looks at Jerusalem, this is what he sees today. He sees a city that has not understood God's visitation to it. It's a city that has been looking for God for ages. It's a city that had been set up in dedication to God, but then had abandoned God and had been uh, torn down and all of its inhabitants carried off into exile. And then God restored his people to the city again, and the same thing had happened. The people were waiting for God to re-inhabit the temple. Isaiah and, and uh, uh, Ezekiel saw in a vision the presence of God leave the temple. But no prophet had ever seen in a vision the presence of God return to the temple. Now, the temple was rebuilt, the sacrifices were reinstituted, and the life of worship and of praise and prayer was continuing in the temple, but no one had ever seen in a vision the presence of God return. No one had ever seen smoke fill the temple so that the priests couldn't minister anymore, like when the, the temple was first dedicated by Solomon. No one had ever seen that. Was God still there? Were they still waiting on God? Well, here comes God to meet them, and Jerusalem has missed it. Jerusalem did not understand that now is the time for God to reappear to them so that they can um, turn back to him fully. They missed it because they were too busy with other things. As soon as Jesus enters into the city, we see him go straight to the temple and cleanse it. He drives out all the people making a buck in the temple. There are money changers, uh, you know, taking a slice off the top and people selling um, at a profit all the animals required by the law for, you know, all the, the people coming to, to make their sacrifices. And so the temple had become a place of business, a den of robbers even. And Jesus comes in and he clears the temple, even though he had just prophesied that the city is without hope at this point. He knows what's going to happen. And what happens is in the year 70 AD, the Romans are fed up with uh, Jewish zealots and, and other um, disruptors of the Roman Pax or peace. And so with the Roman peace being messed up, the Romans decide, well, we'll show you the Roman might if you don't want our Roman peace. And they destroy the entire city. Countless people are slaughtered. Buildings are thrown down, including the temple in the city. Now, Jesus, knowing that the Roman peace is a false peace, it's a peace by might, condemns the city in this um, prophetic weeping by saying that they didn't know the time of their real peace. And so having missed the time of real peace and now um, falling afoul of the Roman peace as well, the city was ripe for destruction. And this was a course that it had set itself on, and Jesus was not condemning it because uh, it still had a choice. He was simply seeing the future, simply seeing what was already going to be taking place and weeping because of that. 
I think it's interesting that knowing the fate of Jerusalem, <clears throat> knowing that in just a few short decades it would be completely destroyed by the Romans, Jesus yet goes in to its very heart and begins to try to cleanse it anyway. I think Jerusalem in this city is potentially every single one of us, every single human being on this planet that has ever been or will ever be. In that, we are all potentially destined to be destroyed like Jerusalem was. All of our stones thrown down, our very life um, you know, ripped out, burned with fire. Every one of us is potentially destined for that if we fail to see where our peace, true peace, lies. But none of us know our fate, nor do we know the fates of anyone else. All we can do is hope in the Lord. And re regardless of the fate of any person, Jesus, we know, we see here in this story, is willing to come in and do the hard work of clearing out our heart and helping us to be cleansed. Now, this is done through the Holy Spirit now. In, in this story, we're seeing Jesus. This is his ministry. Okay, He's going into the city and doing this. But now after Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven, he sends the Spirit to continue his ministry. This is why we call the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ often, because the Holy Spirit in our lives is the one continuing the ministry of Christ on earth. So Jerusalem was entered by Christ. We, the, the little cities that we have in our hearts, are entered by the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit will cleanse us if we let him. Sometimes he'll cleanse us against our will, and it, it's painful and it hurts, and we can fight it. And we can even say, you know what? No, we're, we're so um, against the potential cleansing, you know, the, the lessons that we have to learn from our evil deeds or works or the consequences of our actions or the, the guilt that we feel at doing something wrong. These are the actions of the Spirit within us and in our lives trying to help us and cleanse us bring us into conformity with Christ, but we can fight it. We can fight that and ignore the Holy Spirit's ministry, and we can do to the Holy Spirit what Jerusalem did to Christ. We can reject the Spirit and push him out of our life completely. This is what Christ in his ministry called the one unforgivable sin, the one sin that we can't come back from is the complete rejection of the work of the Spirit in our life. St. Paul in our epistle today describes the work of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit's um, work in us is uh, a diversity of gifts and works that we all um, bring together when we assemble as the body of Christ. And he said that, no one can belong to Christ. No one can say Christ is my Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Spirit who unites us to the, the work and life of Christ. And had Jerusalem decided to recognize her Lord when he came, it would have discovered peace and it would have been brought into conformity with her Lord and her, and her God, you know, returning to her temple finally. But it didn't. So the question is, do we? Will we, having been put into Christ through baptism and raised to new life with him, will we continue accepting his life 
daily in us through his Holy Spirit, through whatever gifts the Spirit gives us in order to uh, make us a part of his body, through uh, words of encouragement to others, through a ministry of prayer, daily prayer, through um, giving of our resources if we've been extra blessed, through uh, the time that we may have extra of that others don't. Whatever our circumstances and whatever our gifts, the way to have true peace is to participate through the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ by giving of ourselves. This is our temple ministry. This is what we're supposed to be doing as the body of Christ. This is how we let the, the Spirit's life bring peace to us, is by letting those gifts um, work themselves out within the body of Christ. And this is the only way that we find peace. Today is also the feast day of St. Augustine, um, arguably the most influential and important church father in the Western tradition and life of the church. And he has a line that is often quoted that I think comes from his confessions, in which he says, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. I think it probably came in, in the first person from him. If you've never read his Confessions, it is a remarkable book. Um, in sort of late antiquity, it's almost unique in that it is uh, very first person and very um, sort of intimate look into his own life and soul and psyche. Uh, it's a form of literature that just wasn't a thing until he kind of developed it this. And so he probably said it in the first person, my heart will be restless until it rests in you, Lord. And that's the same with all of us. None of us will have peace until we find our peace in Christ. And none of us can find our peace in Christ if we are quenching the Holy Spirit's work within us. So today, what I want to leave us with is um, the idea that we should, if we aren't paying attention to the work of the Spirit in us, pay attention to it. Ask the question, is the Holy Spirit trying to lead me into a particular ministry, a particular way of life in which I can participate more fully in the body of Christ, in which I can be a useful member and serve? Is the Holy Spirit leading me somewhere that I haven't been paying attention to? That's the question I want to leave us with today as we now go into um, the time of this service this morning where we meet our Lord in the sacrament and open our hearts uh, as much as possible to the Holy Spirit. Let this be the moment that we first let the Spirit break into our lives and our minds in a new way and bring us into a new conscious awareness of what we're supposed to be doing for the body of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.